You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap, episode number 197. Brewers and Cubs coming up this weekend in Chicago, the second trip of three into Wrigley. The Brewers are going to be almost done with Wrigley before the first month of the season is over. The third series against the Cubs already. Of course, the Brewers have taken the first two series of the year from Chicago. Brewers riding high, coming off that series sweep of the Padres in San Diego this week, winning on Monday night, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday afternoon. The Brewers getting some phenomenal pitching once again. Brandon Woodruff was outstanding on Monday. Corbin Burns setting records on Tuesday. And then Adrian Hauser really battling on Wednesday in the bullpen, doing a great job from there. This team's playing great baseball. They sit in first place in the NL Central. They're sitting at 11 and 7. They are two games clear of everybody else right now in the division, and it's been really impressive to watch. And I think when you look at this team offensively, it's 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 really neat to see how they're putting it together. This is not right now, on paper, probably the top offense in the National League. We talk about that every week. doesn't have to be. With the pitching that they're getting, they just need timely hitting. They need some guys that can get themselves on base and set the table. And they need to find a way to score those three, four, five runs in a game. Because most nights, with this staff pitching the way it is, if it continues, most nights, three, four, five, going to give you a pretty good chance. I mean, five is going to give you a chance almost every night anyway. But you score three or four runs. You just got to find a way to get three or four across. You're going to win almost every night with the way the Brewers pitch it and the way the Brewers defend. And what's happening right now for this Brewers offense that is so neat is that Christian Yelich is on the injured list. Colton Wong's going to come off the injured list today uh, to, to be back in the lineup for the Brewers against the Chicago Cubs. And then you've had Lorenzo Cain on the injured list for essentially a week now, uh, a little bit over a week now. So the Brewers have not had great health. The Brewers have had some of their most important pieces offensively out, and yet they're getting it done anyway. Why are they getting it done? What is causing this offense to to perform when they need it to? Well, one big name right now is Omar Narvaez. He's been unbelievably good so far this year. We're going to get into his numbers a little bit more in Sabermetrics 101. Obviously, Travis Shaw has been great. He has been better than you could have expected when he signed that minor league deal. He leads the team in RBIs with 15. The batting average has slipped a little bit over the last week, but he's still hitting the ball consistently hard, and he's playing really well defensively at third base. So that's another piece of the puzzle right now for the Brewers that's kind of carrying carrying things for this team offensively. But I think the bigger story are the guys that you figured were bench pieces or even alternate site guys to start the year that are coming through in big moments. You think about Jace Peterson what he did on Wednesday against the Padres, what Tyrone Taylor has done 
when he's been given the opportunity. And then the biggest story is probably Billy McKinney, who's hitting 278, a couple of home runs, four driven in, and playing unbelievably good defense in left field. These guys have come up with big moments in the big situations for the Brewers so far this year. It's been really fun to watch this team kind of come together. And really, the Brewers should only be better as a result of this because when they get Yelich healthy, when they get Kane healthy, and now that they're getting Colton Wong healthy, when they've got the full arsenal ready to go on offense, these guys are going to be ready to contribute in any role that the Brewers need them to. This is a, it's a fun time to be a Brewers fan, and I think this is going to be a fun summer in Milwaukee. All right, let's jump into Sabermetrics 101. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. As we take a look at Sabermetrics 101, uh, we will talk to Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook coming up in just a little bit on the podcast to talk about this historical start for these pitchers. It has been an amazing start on the mound, not just for Corbin Burns. So much of our, our focus has been on Corbin Burns and all the historical numbers uh, that he has put up so far, and rightfully so. But you look at Brandon Woodruff, you look at Freddie Peralta, Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser, every one of them has not just been solid, but been much above what you would expect from any of those guys. I mean, Woodruff is a is an all-star, and Woodruff is the ace of the staff in so many ways, but he's pitching to a 1.96 ERA, and he is finding ways to get himself through games when at times he doesn't even have his best stuff, and he goes through a Padres lineup, which is one of the best lineups in baseball on Monday, and he gives up one hit over six innings when he got off to a little rocky start in that first inning and maybe didn't even have his best stuff that night. That's how good he is. Uh, that's how dominant he is, and yet we're talking so much about Corbin Burns, we're probably not talking enough about Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta with the strikeout numbers and the slider and how important that's been for him. And then, of course, Hauser and Anderson have been outstanding so far for the Brewers. This has been a great rotation, and we know it's a very good bullpen on top of that. But let's look at some of the numbers here in Sabermetrics 101. Let's start with Burns and, and, and a statistic that uh, you know we don't talk a lot about, but fielding independent pitching, which is just to kind of make it very simple, it's just take the defense out of it. How's this guy pitching? I guess is the most simple way of, of putting it. Uh, it kind of isolates just the pitcher. And when you look at fielding independent pitching or FIP, FIP, Burns has a .71 in FIP. Uh, he's number one in Major League Baseball. Number two is Garrett Cole with a .95. Uh, those are the only two guys under one. Brandon Woodruff, by the way, has a FIP of 175. So both of these guys, you know, pitching to a to a ridiculous level when it comes to that. Woodruff is eighth in Major League Baseball in that statistic. Some other numbers to take a look at: strikeouts, strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Uh, because the Brewers aren't going to let guys go eight or nine innings very often. They are going to be more aggressive with their bullpen deployment and things of that nature. So guys are going to throw six innings, maybe seven if they're really rolling, typically with Craig Council managing the team. So strikeouts per nine innings pitch might be more telling than just the overall strikeout numbers. And right now you have the Brewers with number two and number three in all of Major League Baseball in strikeouts per nine. Freddie Peralta, number two, at 15.5 strikeouts per nine. Behind Jacob deGrom, who has 15.75. Burns is three with 14.795. So you have two and three for the Brewers right now in strikeouts 
per nine innings pitched. And, of course, all the other numbers are out there. War for pitchers, according to baseball reference. Burns is number one with a 1.4 war for pitchers. He actually has a 1.6 overall war because he's delivered at the plate a little bit this year, too, and driven in a couple of runs to help himself. But Burns has a 1.4 war for pitchers. That's number one. And it's number one by a decent stretch. The next closest, Tyler Glass now with a 1.2. Bieber's in there. Stroman's in there as well. But uh, Burns basically leads in every category. He's number one in earn run average with a .37. And you just keep going on through it. Of course, number one on bases on balls per nine innings pitch because he hasn't walked anybody yet. And the statistic we keep coming back to is the 40 strikeouts and no walks. That's the best for a starting pitcher since at least 1893. Adam Wainwright did it earlier with 35, but uh, the best since at least 1893 for a starting pitcher. And you know what? Burns has a shot, maybe even in, in his next start, if he's really rolling, to be able to surpass Kenley Jansen's overall mark of 51 strikeouts without a walk. That was over a bunch of appearances because it was as a reliever. Unbelievable stuff from this Brewers team on the mound. Before we move on on Sabermetrics 101, I do want to talk a little bit, though, about offensively what Omar Narvaez has done so far this year. Omar Narvaez, and, and we're going to be kind of simple on this, but he's hitting 396. He has three home runs. He's driven in 10, four walks against seven strikeouts. He has an OPS north of 1,000 at uh, 1059 right now for Omar Narvaez. And, you know, he got off to the really hot start. He, he got off to the start through the first five games, hitting 500. So through the first five games, Omar Narvaez was 7 of 14 at the plate, two home runs, five driven in. You're like, hey, there's no way he can keep this up. I mean, it's great that he's got off to a great start, but you're not going to hit 500, obviously, for the season. And, that, and that, that's accurate. So then things start to cool off a little bit. And when I say cool off, I mean not much. You know, you have the handful of games where you don't collect a hit. Um, and, in fact, he's only really had one true game where he hasn't gotten a hit this year. You know, he had the pinch hit opportunity in the 10th inning uh, against the, the Cubs in Chicago on April 7th, and, and, and he went 0 for 1. Um, he had the April 13th game against the Cubs where he came in um, in, the, in the 9th and went 0 for 1. But otherwise, he's only really had one game that he started in which he didn't get a hit, and that was the game against the Pirates on April 16th. That was the, the Friday night game against the Pirates. He went 0 for 4 in that game. Otherwise, he's been hitting. Every time he starts, he gets a hit. It's pretty impressive stuff. But he had an unbelievable series in San Diego, so you're like, well, when's this guy going to cool off? Well, not yet is the answer. He went 6-for-12 in that series in San Diego with a home run and four driven in. He had a double to go along with it as well. He just keeps on chugging, and Omar Narvaez has become a very good defensive catcher for the Brewers. Also, he's caught a couple of runners stealing already this year, doing a great job at blocking balls. Um, he's playing at an all-star level right now. Um, it's just April, so we got to see. You know, let's get into June before we start saying, hey, he's one of the best catchers in baseball. But he has been what the Brewers thought he was going to be when they acquired him before last year, they thought he was going to be an offensive catcher that they could make better behind the plate. They made him better behind the plate, but he did not hit in 2020. Hit 176 in 2020. 
Well, that's all changed. He's he's reverted back to the guy the Brewers thought he was going to be offensively while maintaining that elite level defensively that he got to last year. It's exciting stuff, and the Brewers are certainly really excited about what they have behind the plate with both Omar Narvaez and, of course, Manny Pena. Okay, Brewers pitching coach Chris Hook. I had a chance to sit down with him in San Diego and talk about what this pitching staff has been able to accomplish so far this year. Let's break it down. Yes, it is still April, but at the same time, can't do anything about that. Your guys have performed unbelievably well uh, these first handful of times through the rotation, and the bullpen's been great. I mean, you have to be really pleased with what this group has been able to do collectively. Yeah, I don't think you've ever heard one coach say we want to get off to a bad start. I don't think anyone's ever going to say that, right? I mean, I think it's good to be, you know, to know that guys are in a good spot right now. We got to continue to stay there. We, we know that we're going to get have, you know, 25 to 35 starts throughout this thing. And just being concentrated on our work and then being consistent with that work as we possibly can. Your rotation specifically is getting a lot of attention. Um and at this point in the season, it'd be hard to find a rotation that's performed better than yours. Uh, you knew you had some really good arms coming into this year, and I know you had the confidence in these guys. What has stood out to you about this group in particular that has helped them make this jump to such an elite status? Well, Lane, I, I hate to say this, but I don't think they're taking that big of a leap. They're just kind of like getting better what they already do really well. I think they're getting uh, to the point where they're executing better. I think they're more comfortable in a big league game and, and seeing swings and recognizing those things. So it's the, I guess, getting better at the small details. Uh, so they know during a game, instead of being overwhelmed with other things, maybe it's delivery or a new pitch. Now they're more in tune to how the hitters reacting to their pitches so they can make a quicker adjustment. They're, they're understanding, Hey, that was a pretty good swing. I need to do something different here. Uh, and then they're processing the game plan in the back of their head as well. So I think the game's getting slower for them, and I think that's the important thing here as they go along is just continue to, to have consistent work like I spoke about before, but also getting better and better at, at, at the small details of what the game brings them. Uh, everybody's focusing so much on, on Woody and Corbin and Freddie, but Hauser's been really solid for you, and obviously Brett Anderson has been exactly what you thought he would be, I mean, the, the consistent inning eating guy that uh, has, has done a great job for you. But with those first three I mentioned, you worked with them a lot during the development stages of their careers when they were in the minor leagues and, and even to a little bit of a degree, Adrian Hauser also in that regard. How much do you think that helps just from a communication standpoint? You guys are all speaking the same language. You've been speaking yeah. it for a long time. How much has that helped all of you kind of go through this journey together? Well, I, I think that there's, there's a there's a huge amount of trust uh we've been through the battles together and i think that's what the minor leagues uh they do for players and coaches as well it's like you go through these battles and these ebbs and flows of a long season and and you kind of know how a guy works and they know how i work and we know we're going to stay consistent through it together i think there's a lot of trust in that and i think we're just do, we're doing basically the same thing at a higher level and those guys are a lot better at what they do now than what they were then. Uh, like you said, they're in a development stage, but we, we all have a really consistent uh, understanding of, of, of each other. And, and we know that there's not gonna be any big flows for me. They know where, where I'm coming from every time. We know how we're gonna practice. We know how we're gonna work. Uh, and then we're gonna get 
get uh, get better together, game to game, understanding those small things that we spoke about. Okay, we've thrown the numbers out on Corbin. I think everybody knows all the crazy statistics that that follow him around so far. The thirty strikeouts and no walks, and and all the the consecutive starts with no runs or one run allowed. And I mean, it's just, it's been amazing what he's been able to accomplish. And those of us that watched him last year, I think probably saw this coming uh, this year because his stuff is so electric and guys that haven't seen him before when they see him for the first time are just blown away. But I feel like in some ways we're talking about a different pitch after every start. And that's just how much he has at his disposal, if you will. Um, If the cutter's not as good one day, then maybe we're talking about, you know, the curveball a little bit more. If the slider's not as good one day, maybe maybe the changeups mixed in a little bit more, uh, and maybe not necessarily, you know, those don't all necessarily go together in in, in those ways. But it, it just feels like he has so much that even if he doesn't bring his best slider onto the mound or his best changeup onto the mound one day, he he's fine because he has so many other ways he can get guys out. Yeah, that's right. I think I think that's kind of. Uh, a really good plan for all pitchers is to find their weakest link and kind of like, let's get that taken care of. So when I do need to use it, I can, I can use it during the game. And that's what he's kind of done with the change up. Obviously the sinker has been a, a work in progress and I think he's doing a really good job of just locating it down in the zone for the most part. And the cutter has kind of be, been refined, you know, so all of his pitches and that's kind of what he's done in the off season is, and I think that's what the funny thing is people are really, realize all the work that goes in in the offseason of getting delivery in place so then I can go ahead and get these other pitches sharpened up and use them in the zone when I need to use them so like you said he's got uh, five to six pitches he can go with Uh, the four seamer is in there as well that's something he's sharpened up that can use it when he needs it the twos the curve the curveball has really we've taken a really uh, fine-tooth comb to that curveball through the spring and making sure it was ready to go heavy usage in spring just to make sure it was ready to go when we got here hot uh, come April. So uh, yeah, you're right across the board. He has sharpened up all his pitches and, and I hope that's what the hitter feels like. They're kind of stuck. They don't know which pitch is coming in which count. And to me, that becomes a, a well-rounded pitcher overall. Chris, your bullpen has been great. JP Fireisen has been a, a wonderful addition to this group as a leverage guy for you now, or at least you've used him that way early on. Um, I didn't think it was possible, but Josh Hader is filthier than maybe he's ever been at any point in his career, which is kind of mind blowing to think about. But Devin Williams has been a slower process because you got him started later in spring training. And I thought his last time out, he started to really look like the Devin Williams of 2020. That had to be nice to see that step forward and kind of getting him closer to to getting into this mix, which is just going to make that bullpen obviously that much better as we know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always difficult when you, and this was a time thing we knew it was coming and how we're going to bring Devin along and bring him back slowly, knowing that we've got six months of baseball here. Uh, but we know that he's an important part of it. And, and we feel like even at probably not a hundred percent game shape, I would probably say, I think he's physically ready, but you know, you need those eight to 10 outings during spring training to kind of like get it all ironed out. Uh, and he was only able to get to that four or five. So, I think we're kind of getting into a spot and I think he feels like he's getting into a spot where, Hey man, I'm really, really close. I think coming out of that game yesterday is like, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of there. And obviously you'd see the, the big velo, uh, the swing and misses with the change up. Those, those are all things that are uh, part of knowing that he's right. 
Uh, obviously, we have our metrics and stuff that we still want to make sure that he gets to, but uh, I think he's in a really good spot to kind of to take off from here. And a big thanks to Chris Hook for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. He's done an amazing job, and it's been fun to watch the development of some of these pitchers. Somebody else that has enjoyed watching the development of these pitchers, including his own, is Brewers left-hander Brent Suter, who <laughs> is, is kind of one of the veterans on this team now. Wild to think that and wild to say that, but it really is the truth. I mean, he's one of the most tenured Brewers uh, at the major league level and in this organization now. And I had a chance to catch up with him uh, on the off day yesterday in Chicago to talk about uh, what this season has been like thus far and how excited he is uh, to see what this team's going to be able to do over the course of the summer. Brent, first and foremost, congrats on Wednesday. Four up, four down, four strikeouts. It doesn't get much better than that against the Padres for you. Thanks. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a gr great game for us yesterday. Great series win, uh, great series sweep against a really good San Diego Padres team. So, yeah, we were feeling uh, feeling good on the flight over here to Chicago, but uh, still a lot more work to do. Um, but, man, it was fun. You guys have been playing great baseball. The only two series you've lost was the home series to the Pirates and then the, the season opening series at home to the Twins. Otherwise, you've won every other series this year already. And I think what's neat about it, and I think you would agree with this, is that it seems like it's a different guy every night. And that's really the mark of a great team. When different guys step up, you've got Yelich and Wong and Kane all on the injured list for the last week plus. And yet guys like Jace Peterson and guys like Tyrone Taylor and guys like Billy McKinney are stepping up and doing their part. That's a really neat thing to watch. Yeah, it is really, really fun to watch. So happy for those guys coming in and just shining for the team um, and just really helping us out in a big, big spot. I mean, like you said, Wong, Yelich, Kane, all out with injuries. I mean, we could easily be just giving ourselves excuses, feeling sorry for ourselves, but we're not. And these guys are coming in, stepping up in big spots. And JP coming in with bases loaded yesterday was incredible, too. And he's, you know, uh, basically still rookie status and pitching in those kind of spots and succeeding is so fun to watch and a bunch of guys up and down the roster that are really contributing to the success. You know, we've talked about this before, Brent, but you're like one of the elder statesmen now uh, in the clubhouse <laughs> and with this team. And it feels like yesterday that you made your debut against right. the Seattle Mariners. And I'm guessing it kind of feels like that for you too. When you see mm -hmm. young guys developing specifically from the bullpen standpoint, guys like JP fire eyes and, um, coming back this year and, and really becoming a different guy and taking a huge step forward on the mound. How fun is that for you as somebody that's kind of been through the grind of putting yourself in a position where you're established like you are now? Is it fun to watch those guys kind of go through some of those same things? Oh, it's the best. Um, I, I really do feel like a proud dad sometimes. You know, I mean, these guys came in just hungry to work, uh, hungry to get better. Uh, kind of, I think of Devin Williams last year, the steps forward he took, and then JP kind of the same thing this year. It's just like this, this switch, the switch goes on, and these, you can just see it in their eyes, feel it in their energy. Uh, guys are just taking huge steps forward in their development, and I'm kind of, I'm like wanting a little bit of it myself here. <laughs> Some of the outings don't feel so good, but uh, no, it's been so fun to watch, and uh, yeah, just so proud of them. So proud of the guys uh, who come up and just develop like that. And it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of you know, strength and energy to get that focus and that much better. But these guys are doing it over and over again. It's awesome. 
Brett, what do you think it is about this organization specifically that seems to have so much success with developing pitchers? Because we've seen a lot of that over the last four years. Yeah, um, I think we've really done a good job of balancing the human element with the analytics element and like mm -hmm. the track man, the data, uh, and really using every guy's strength and Hookie and Cars do an incredible job as do, you know, Walker, Augie, all the video guys of just like knowing the human being behind the stuff and then channeling and coaching in a way that helps maximize that stuff and maximize that out on the mound uh, in the big spots. And uh, we, we've got great, uh, a great kind of energy within the team, a great clubhouse that really helps kind of that, that winning culture that really helps with development too. Cause you got these young guys coming up who are welcomed with open, welcomed with open arms to the team uh, by the team leaders, which is huge for their confidence, huge for everybody's just kind of togetherness. And I think, Combo, combo of those things is a dangerous recipe for really good pitching development and really good hitting development as well. Brent Suter is our guest. Brent, um, yesterday, an off day in Chicago for you, and it was Earth Day, which is a day very near and dear to you. How did yes, you celebrate right. it? <laughs> uh, it was, was a great day. We, uh, I had a bunch of interviews, and then uh, we did the Chicago, one of the Chicago board, boat tours, uh, Chicago River boat tours and saw the buildings went down all the way to Chinatown and back and then out to Lake Michigan. It was so cool. Uh, Liam, my son got a little whiny about halfway through him and then he got a second win and it was, it finished really strong, but uh, no, it was, it was, it was a beautiful day um, and still a couple more interviews to do, but uh, really, really fun. Love talking about um, the earth and it's a special day for me and for a lot of other people. Earth Day, happy Earth Day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it, Brent. Thank you for giving us the time and best of luck this weekend against the Cubs. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Okay. And a couple of final items for you from a transactional standpoint for the Brewers. They did make the D strange Gordon signing official this week. He will go to the alternate side, but that gives the Brewers some more middle infield depth, even some outfield depth. Of course, he's played a lot of center field in his career, along with that second base and shortstop experience for D. Strange Gordon. And with the, the trade of Orlando Arcia a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Brewers needed a little bit more depth that was major league ready, and so D. Strange Gordon uh, certainly provides that. Former teammate of Christian Yelich's with the Marlins and uh, a guy that is very well liked uh, across the league. So kind of a cool signing for the Brewers. We'll see if D. Strange Gordon is able to impact the club at the major league level at some point this year. Hard to believe that he won't have that opportunity at some point. Brewers also designated for assignment after activating Jacob Nottingham from the 10-day IL. So now uh, they will wait and see if he gets through waivers. Uh, if he will stay in the organization and they can outright him then to the alternate site or eventually to AAA, or if somebody else wants to try to, to, to bring Jacob Nottingham onto their 40-man roster. That remains to be seen. Uh, Jacob Nottingham has been a great brewer um, from uh, a clubhouse standpoint. He has developed very well behind the plate as a defensive catcher, and so um, I know the Brewers would love to keep him in the organization if they can, whether or not they're going to be able to do that remains to be seen at this point. So, um, kind of exciting stuff uh, with this signing of D. Strange Gordon. He's a guy that uh, certainly has had some great years and, and had some all-star caliber years uh, in the past. And one other thing of note, Garrett Mitchell, they have announced, is going to start his professional career in high A with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. So he will be in Appleton to start the year. That'll be a fun off-day trip for some some Brewers fans, you want to go up to Appleton and see Garrett Mitchell play. 
Uh, you might have that opportunity at some point this spring or this summer. That's going to do it for us. And this week's edition of Brewers on Tap, Brewers and Cubs this weekend. Can't wait. Should be fun. And then, of course, a homestand on the horizon. Marlins coming to town along with the Dodgers next weekend. We will talk to you next week. Have a great one, everybody. Stay healthy and stay safe. I'm Lynn Grindle. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.